Okay, so my full name is Daniel Webster Sueza III. Very fancy, I know. The only thing that could make it any fancier is if it had Esquire after it. You know, I just need to add some cool sort of uh, title, and it'll be extra, extra fancy, right? Um, I've always kind of liked my name because it's a little bit different, right? You don't meet a lot of Suezas, although Suiza is quite hard to spell and pronounce. People give me all sorts of weird pronunciations, and when they try to spell it, they add in weird letters and all those things. But, you know, really, I've always enjoyed having kind of a strange name. I don't know if you have a weird, unique, kind of super cool name, or if you've got like the basic name that everybody else has and you hate it because you always wanted something cooler, or you appreciate the fact that your parents didn't call you laser or something cool like that, you know? Um, I don't know where you fall on that, but I'll tell you that it did cause a little bit of frustration for me growing up, in particular, being a third, okay? If you don't understand, I'm a third. My uh, dad has the same name that I do, and my grandfather has the same name. They're all Daniel Webster Sueza. They just happen to be junior and senior, respectively, right? To make things even more complicated, my great-grandfather is also named Daniel Sueza. He just has a different middle name. So when I was younger, and there were four of us at a family function, we would actually have, like, somebody would say, hey, Dan, or Daniel, or Danny, And four different people would say, yeah, what's up? You need me? What's going on, right? It was all sorts of confusing at family gatherings. Um, It was particularly frustrating for my wife, who's actually out on the mission trip this week. It was very frustrating for her when we first started dating because we didn't have cell phones back then. You had to call up on a landline and you had to ask for Daniel, right? Because you didn't know who was going to pick up the phone. And so she would answer and say, hey, is Daniel there? And they would say, uh, which one? And she's like, I don't know the cute one. Just put him on the phone. <laughs> Take that, dad. <laughs> yeah, it caused a little bit of frustration early on in my life. But you know, I've always appreciated the fact that I have this family name. And I had a buddy growing up, no lie, I'm not making this up. His name was Daniel Warren Evans the fifth. And I was so impressed that his family kept it going for five generations. That's unreal, you guys. I was, I don't know, I was just blown away by that. So then, of course, when Amber and I started dating, I'm like, look, babe, we have to continue this tradition. It has to, we have to give birth to Daniel Webster Sways of the Fourth. And she said, absolutely not. That's a deal breaker. I love your name, but I can promise you one thing. We will never name a kid the fourth. It's like, all right, so I had to give in on that one, you know? Now, I bring up my name because we're actually going to dive into this series that we're calling Four Things That I Wish You Knew About God. And we talked last week about the fact that these aren't actually four things that I wish you knew about God. These are technically four things that God wishes you knew about him. That as we dive into this passage of scripture this morning, we're actually going to see not more people telling you about God, who they think he is, what they think he is. Instead, we're going to be looking at a self-disclosure, a form of revelation from God to us. And so there are four things that God tells us about in the book of Exodus, four things he reveals about himself. And the first one, the one that we're going to talk about and dive into this morning, is that God has a name. You may not have ever known that. You may have always thought it was God. That's just his name, right? But in fact, we're going to read from a passage this morning in which God tells us what his personal, proper name actually is. 
Then next week, we're going to talk about the fact that God describes himself as loving and compassionate, that that is his nature. That's who he is fundamentally. We'll talk in a couple of weeks about the fact that he's faithful, you guys. He is trustworthy. When nothing else is in your life you can rely on or trust in, you can trust in God. And then we're going to see that God is just. He does what is right in every single circumstance and situation. So let's see if you can kind of pick out those four themes from this passage that we're going to read. It's Exodus chapter number 34. And uh, we'll just uh, put these verses here on the screen. You can follow along with us there. Let me set it up just a bit for you. This is a conversation between a man named Moses and God himself. Like God actually appears and has a conversation, according to this passage, with this man named Moses. Now, you may be familiar with Moses. He's a pretty famous guy. If you saw the Prince of Egypt or if you watched Exodus a few years ago when the movie came out, I don't know, maybe at some point in your life you actually read the Bible. And so you know that Moses was the leader of the Israelites when they were enslaved in Egypt. And God singles out, he chooses Moses and says, Moses, I am going to use you to help set all of these people free. And so Moses becomes a central figure in the story of the Bible, particularly the Old Testament. And so in this passage, uh, the Bible tells us in this book of Exodus, the Bible tells us that Moses has conversations with God as a man has conversations with his friend. That is a crazy thought. Let your noodle bake on that one for a sec. Moses And God talked as if they were friends. During one of their conversations, Moses says to God, God, um, this has been cool. It's been really interesting. You know, I love hearing from you, talking with you and stuff, but I really want to know more about you. I'm hoping that you can reveal to me your, and then he uses this phrase. He says, will you show me your glorious presence, which is a weird thing, right? Like you wouldn't call your, I don't know, maybe you would, maybe this would earn you some brownie points, but you wouldn't call somebody you love and say, would you just share with me your glorious presence? That's essentially what Moses asked God. And what he's saying is, God, will you reveal yourself to me? Will you show me who you are? I want to have an experience with you. And so the Bible says here, we're going to start reading in verse number five, After Moses makes this ask of God, will you reveal yourself to me? The scripture says, uh, chapter 34, verse five, then the Lord came down in a cloud and he stood there with Moses and God called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. God says about himself, I am slow to anger. And I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love, says, to a thousand generations. God says, I forgive iniquity, which is like wrongdoing. I forgive people who do wrong and people who rebel and those who sin. And then he says at the end here, but I don't excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren, the entire family in some cases is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Then Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and he worshiped. Uh, Does that last little statement that God made there, does it bug you? 
when it says, uh, I lay the sins of the fathers at the children and grandchildren. Does that bug you? It bugs me. I can't wait until we get to the fourth week, you guys. And we dig into what this means and why God says it. And it's, I promise you, I know it sounds like I'm making this up, but there's no way this can be true. This turns out to be the best news you can possibly imagine. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. All right. So in this passage, we learn four things about God. First one we'll talk about today is that God has a personal name. Did you see it? His personal name is Y-H-W-H. Uh, I think it's missing a few letters, you guys. <laughs> Can I buy a vowel, please? I don't even know how you pronounce that. Like, it, have you ever tried to pronounce a word that has only consonants? It's pretty tough. And yet, this is the name that God gives to Moses and to all of us, his personal name. Now, uh, this conversation and the writings were originally in ancient Hebrew. So God didn't talk to Moses in English because English hadn't been invented yet. They had a conversation in Hebrew. And Hebrew is a really interesting language. Um, It's interesting for a bunch of different reasons, but think about it this way. This happened thousands and thousands of years ago. There were no phones or laptops to type stuff out. There was no pen and paper. That had not been invented yet. And so when they wanted to write something, it had to be scratched into clay or stone tablets. That's the only way you could write anything ever, like graffiti, like scratch, 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 scratch. And because that's the way they had to write and communicate, writing in this ancient language was all about economy. You wanted to say as much as you could with as little work as possible. So believe it or not, ancient Hebrew was written from right to left, which some languages do. That's not that weird. But let me tell you some things that are weird. First of all, it had no spaces in between the words, none whatsoever, because like you had a limited amount of real estate to work with, so they left out the spaces. It had no punctuation, no commas, no periods, no semicolons, which is fine because nobody, nobody knows how to use a semicolon anyway, all right? So no punctuation. They had no uppercase or lowercase letters. And here's the big one. Ancient Hebrew had no vowels. It was literally a run-on string of consonants forever and ever and ever. And so in this ancient guttural, consonantal language, God reveals his personal name. And he says it's Y-H-W-H. Now in English, we'll pronounce this as Yahweh. We kind of throw in some letters to kind of fill it out. We think that's probably the proper pronunciation of it. We're not 100% sure, but it's close enough, okay? We, we could probably say that's an accurate representation of the way they would have said it. Now, we'll also put it up here in Hebrew for you, because I know some of you guys read Hebrew. Listen, I had to take Hebrew in college, and it was my least favorite class. Like, I almost didn't become a pastor because I could not get through Hebrew, all right? I do remember some of the letters. And so while in English we would say Yahweh or Y-H-W-H, they would say yod Hey va Hey. Those are the letters. Y, H, V, or W. It's a consonantal language. And then W again. You guys, God has a name, a personal name that he invited Moses and all of the Israelites, and by extension, I think the rest of us as well, to call him by Yahweh, a personal name. Now, if you're saying to yourself, wait, 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 
I thought his name was God. That's what everybody calls him. Every time I've ever gone to church, every pastor I've ever heard always calls him God. Isn't his name God? Nope. See, God is what he is, not who he is. There's a difference between those two. God describes what he is. Yahweh tells us who he is. Maybe an example would help. Um, Maybe if I compared myself to God, uh, which is always a terrible idea, but I'm going to do it here just for a sec. Maybe give you guys, I don't know, just some frame of reference that'll help you to understand why this matters so so much. We could talk about me and we could talk about me on a few different levels. We could say like, what is my basic essence? What the heck am I? And I'm humid. That's what I am. I am human. That is my essence. It's what I am. We could talk about a title. Um, We could talk about a role. And so I might say, well, I'm also a reverend. Like if my name wasn't already pretentious enough, it's technically Reverend Daniel Webster Sueza III Esquire. And so, uh, you know, I love it when I get mail and they use the reverend because everybody's like, that's, I mean, seriously, you're the least reverend reverend ever, okay? So anyway, but that's my role. It's not who I am because if I stopped being a reverend, I wouldn't stop being me, would I? So it's my title, it's my role, but it's not my name, it's not my nature. My name is Daniel. Now, if we kind of use that same framework to think about God, God is his essence. That is what he is. He is divine. He is God. He is the sovereign that rules and reigns over this entire uh, ball of wax here. Then we could talk about his role or his title and we would call him Lord. That's a a name that often gets used for God. He is Lord. That just means that he rules over things. It means he's in charge. He's the boss, okay? And then he has a name, and the name isn't God, and the name isn't Lord. The name is Yahweh. That is God's personal, unique, and proper, I don't want to say first name, but name. It's Yahweh. All right, let's look back at this passage again. I'm going to put it here on the screen for you. I want to I wanna just point out something to you, okay? This is one of the most pivotal moments, not just in the Bible, although it is that. This is one of the most pivotal moments in human history. This is so important that you don't want to just read it and brush past it. This is the first time in human history that God shares his name. In fact, earlier in the conversation, if you go back to Exodus chapter number six, we won't. But if you go back there, God tells Moses, Moses, I am the same God who had a relationship and led all the guys that you know of from ancient history, Adam, Eve, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. I had a relationship or I revealed my godness to all of them. But God says in Exodus chapter number six, by my name, I never revealed myself to them. He never gave his name. To these big names in the Bible, these heroes of the faith, they never knew that God had a personal name. They called him the Hebrew version of God, Elohim. That's all they knew, to call him by what he was, not who he was. So this is a really key and critical moment in the Bible and in human history. In fact, this has been called the John 3.16 of the Hebrew Bible, of the Old Testament. You may not know it, but this passage that we've been reading over the past couple weeks is actually the most 
quoted passage in the Bible by the Bible. And that's a weird way to say it. Like other biblical writers quote this passage more than any other passage in the Bible. It shows up dozens and dozens of times throughout scripture. Why? Because it is the moment in which God reveals that he has a personal name. Now, if it's so important, right? Okay, God's got a name. And Dan, you're telling me this is a really big deal. If it's such a big deal, then why have I never heard of it before? Hmm? How come you're the only pastor that's up here preaching God's name? I mean, how come people don't pray and say, you know, Yahweh, I'm hoping today that you'll help me to find a parking space because I've been driving around here forever. Like, why is it that people don't use this name if it's so important? And the answer actually lies in the Ten Commandments. So if you read the Ten Commandments, number four of the big 10 is this. It says in in Exodus chapter number 20, you shall not misuse the name of Yahweh, your God, right? You you might've heard it translated, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. You might've heard that at some point. That's what this verse says. Do not misuse the name Yahweh, your God. Now, Jews were so freaked out When they got the Big Ten, they were like, oh, dang, have we been misusing his name this whole time? What constitutes misusing God's name? What would be using it in vain? Maybe the best thing for us to do is to stop saying his name altogether. See, because if I just don't ever say Yahweh, then I can't possibly misuse it. (laughs) Ha ha, fooled you, God. I got the old end around going. Now I know I can never break this commandment. And so from then on, even to today, Jewish people will not speak the name of God, not because it's forbidden to speak it. They're afraid they might misuse it. They don't want to break this commandment. And so they came up with a bunch of other names. They were really creative. Instead of calling God Yahweh, they started calling him Hashem, which just means the name in Hebrew. So they don't want to say the name of God. And so they're like, okay, the name, God, the name, right? Or they would call him Adonai, which means Lord. And that's a reference to his title again, not who he actually is. Because of this tradition in history that's been passed down for so long, even today, your English Bible will not translate Yahweh straight into English as Yahweh. It's in there thousands of times, but they actually don't put Y-H-W-H in the Bible. Instead, they translate it in this really weird way. They translate it as Lord, but then to differentiate it from the other times where Adonai, the real word Lord is used, they'll translate Adonai using normal letters, And anytime you read an English Bible and you see LORD in all caps, the Bible's not shouting at you. The translators are giving you a little hint that in the original language, this is actually yod Hey vod Hey. This is Yahweh. This is God's personal name. By the way, if you've been around church like since the 90s and you've ever heard God called Jehovah, you ever heard that before? Um, Jehovah is simply the consonants of Yahweh and the vowels of Adonai. That's how they put those two together. That's how we got Jehovah. We just like, let's mash the two words together and you get Yahovah. Okay, that's all, that's all it is. That's where it comes from. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Some of you guys are sleeping. I can see you yawning. That's my fault. You didn't come here for a linguistics lesson. You're like, cool, okay, ancient Hebrews, they speak a different language. God's got a name. Does this even matter? Yes. This matters more than you could possibly ever imagine. 
Why? Well, a few different reasons. I'm going to spell them out for you, and then we'll be done. The first one is that knowing God's name actually challenges our arrogance. All right, I'm going to make you mad before I try to loop you back in at the end of the message here, okay? We say some of the dumbest things in the world, you guys. As a culture, as a people, we like say stuff and we don't think through the implications of it. And I want to challenge you to see how, in particular, knowing that God has a personal name, how that might challenge some of the things that we say. For example, you have heard time and time again, I certainly have, people in our world say, you know what? Every religion worships the same God. They just call him by a different name. Have you heard that before? Definitely. Yes, of course you have. That's a really common argument. And I understand kind of where it's coming from. I get it. But if you really think through the implications of what that means, it doesn't hold up. It's kind of nonsensical. Saying that every religion worships the same God, they just call him by a different name, is like saying every wife is married to the same husband. No, they're not. It's like saying every goalie plays for the same team. No, they don't. It's like saying every dinner is exactly the same because they're all food. No, it's not. We say things and we don't think through the implications of them. By the way, do you know who came up with the argument that all religions just worship the same God and they use different names for him? Do you know who, who developed that? White people, stinking white people. <laughs> totally serious though, okay? Listen, Europeans and even some North Americans who conquered the world over the last 500 years, you know what they believed? They believed that God had created everything, set it in motion, and then left. They were deists. They didn't believe God was active and involved in our world. That meant, according to them, God didn't really care what they do. So conveniently, God created it all and then left it for them to conquer. And so they went around the world conquering. They were imperialists who took over. And as they went, they noticed a very few superficial similarities between all these different religions around the world. You're like, well, they all believe in a higher power, and they're all like, yeah, do, be nice, do good things. So basically, they're all saying the same thing. Do you understand how dismissive that is? Do you understand how condescending it is for a culture to show up and to lump everybody together and to say, yeah, you're basically all saying the same stuff. Oh, by the way, none of it's true. We have the truth, you don't. That's where the idea came from. And we've bought it, not even understanding its roots, not even understanding what it was meant to do. It was meant to be a rhetorical way, a bit of rhetoric to help subjugate the rest of the world. And oh, by the way, none of us who were actually involved in these different religions believe that we are worshiping the same God. Do you understand that? See, Christians and Muslims agree that Yahweh is not Allah. Christians and Scientologists agree that Yahweh is not Lord Zenu. Christians and Hindus agree that Yahweh is not Lakshmi. Nobody within these religions buys this argument that we're all, we're all worshiping, this, worshiping the same thing. We're just using different names for him. No, if God has a name already, we can't just show up and make up a new one for him. 
You can't show up to me after the service and say, you know, you don't really look like a Dan to me. I'm going to call you Carl from now on. Stay in the house, Carl. No, you can't rename me. What? That's not your right. You don't get to, I have a name and my name is a part of what makes me, me. Same is true of Yahweh. We don't have the right to show up and say, eh, Yahweh, Allah, Lakshmi, Lord Zenu, but it doesn't matter. Call him whatever you want to. No, he has a name. He has revealed that name to us. And as I told you last week, if there is a God, then what is true of him is true whether or not we agree, whether we like it, whether we wish it were somehow different. Either he exists and he determines who he is and how he acts, or he doesn't. In either case, we don't get to make it up as we go. So I think knowing that God has a personal name challenges the the silly things that we believe in our world. By the way, do you even know what the word, what the name Yahweh means? Do you know, like if, you know, your name means something, right? You know that you can look up the meaning of your name. Daniel means God is my judge, which I've never been a big fan of because it seems like that's always hanging over my neck. You know, God will judge me. All right. When you look up, when you translate Yahweh, the name actually means I am who I am and I will be who I will be what it means. I am who I am, and I will be who I will be. This name is is one of God's way of saying, look, my existence and nature doesn't depend on you. God is not Tinkerbell, you guys. He doesn't die if people stop believing in him. He's not a politician. He doesn't choose how he's going to act based on what the majority of Canadians think is right. He is who he is. Even his name reminds us that whoever and whatever God is, he's going to be that forever. So that means that if what God says about himself in this revelation to Moses in Exodus 34, that God has a name and he is love and he is faithful and he is just, that is, he will always do what is right. That means that he will always be and do those things. It's baked right into his name. Yahweh, I am who I am and I will be who I will be. Last thing. By revealing his name, God's heart is actually revealed to us. Like names, sure, they kind of identify you, but in a very real sense, they help us to understand who you are. And when God gives us a name, it tells us what God thinks is important. You see, Yahweh wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. If he wasn't after a relationship, if all he wanted were a bunch of people who obeyed him, do you know that he would never have given us his personal proper name? He would have just said, I am Elohim. I am God. I am El Shaddai. I am the biggest, the baddest, and you don't want to mess with me. But he didn't. He said, I'm Yahweh. Because names mean intimacy. Names mean relationship. God desires a relationship with you. I want you to think about the fact that when God revealed himself to Moses, he didn't start with facts. He started with his own name. 
See, if you came to me and said, Dan, tell me all about God, I'd probably start with what we call the omnis, right? I would start telling you facts about God. I'm like, well, he's omnipotent. That means he is all powerful. I would say he is omnipresent. That means he is everywhere at once. I would say he is omnibenevolent, which is a fancy way of saying he is loving all the time. I would start by telling you facts about God. That's not how God introduces himself to you. Instead, he says, my name is Yahweh. And then he moves to talking about his characteristics. He gives a name, then he reveals his nature because the name comes first. That's what you need to know. You don't wanna learn a bunch of facts about God. You don't wanna understand his nature and never comprehend his name. Think about the way that we talk to God. For all of our, you know, blabbing on about a personal relationship with God, I'm not so sure that we're interested in a personal relationship with God. Because like, if you think of the way that we talk to God, it's not half as personal as we pretend it is, right? When you know somebody, you use their name. It would be very weird for you to refer to a friend or a loved one the way that you refer to God. We pray, dear God, please help me out today. It's Dan, by the way, Uh, in case you didn't know, I need you to come through for me, right? That would be like me calling up my wife and saying, dear human, it's Dan. I need you to pick up milk on the way home, please. Thank you. No. I don't have to call her human. I use her name because we have a relationship. I don't have to introduce myself to her every time we talk because our relationship has grown so deep that we know each other's voices. That's what Yahweh desires with you. That's why he shares his name with you. Not so that you would, yeah, I worship some God who's distant and angry all the time. No, he's close. He's personal. And he wants to have a relationship with you. One in which you use each other's names. One in which the conversation never ends. He wants you to move from religion to relationship. He wants you to move from knowing about him to actually knowing him. And it's possible. You see, God is more like a friend than a formula. Too many people try to figure him out like he's a math equation, you know? Like I understand everything there is to know and I've worked out all the variables and so now I get God. But that's not how God is. You don't get God, you know God. Too many people settle for knowing about God. You need to know God himself, that relational component. In fact, I think knowing his name is actually so powerful that it could flip your entire relationship with him on its head. I know that sounds like a bit of an exaggeration, but look at this. In the last hours of his life, Jesus prayed a prayer. And in this prayer, he says these words. I want you to look at them on the screen. He says, Father, I have brought you glory here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. What's the work? that he was sent here to do? He says, I have revealed your name to the ones you gave me. We already knew his name was Yahweh, but Jesus became the embodiment of Yahweh. He showed us what Yahweh is like. He let us touch Yahweh. He let us embrace 
Yahweh. He let us experience Yahweh. It was so important that we know and understand God's name that it apparently is one of the ways that Jesus judged whether or not he was successful in life. How well did I make the name of God known? All right, two questions. First one is this. Why should I ever feel hesitant to use God's name? Like, I I wanna challenge you guys. Next time you pray, say, Yahweh. God will be like, yeah, what? Because you're calling him by name. There's some of you I know, because I've had this conversation with you before and you're like, I don't know, I feel kind of weird about that. Am I really supposed to use that name? Isn't it like too holy for me to speak? Apparently not. If he didn't want you to use it, he wouldn't have shared it with you. So if you are hesitant to use it, there's probably a good bit of that because you don't want to accidentally break the fourth commandment. But I would say it's a symptom of the fact that you're not as close to God as you think you are because you're too scared to even call him by his own name. Second question, I want you to just think about, reflect on this. How might my relationship with God change if I stopped thinking of him generically as God and I started thinking specifically as Yahweh? What might that change? It's gonna be tough because that will require you to move from like the nice, politically correct, neutral ground where you're like, yeah, they're all the same. We're just calling them different names. And to say, no, I believe there is a God and I believe his name is Yahweh. I believe he was revealed in Jesus. And you might have to make a stand. I know somebody that goes to this church and they're on the faith journey. And she said to me recently, I'm totally cool with the God talk, Dan. But when you start talking about Jesus, That's when I get a little iffy because it seems too exclusive, too specific. It is exclusive. It is specific. God has a name. You can choose to accept that or you can reject it. You can embrace it or not. He leaves you that choice, but let's not patronize him and say, oh, you'll be who I want you to be, God. That's just not how it works. 